Okay, starting out with a question today. You got to think and think kind of hard on this one. You ready? How many of you are normal? Oh my. <laughs> now, don't look at your neighbor and <laughs> no poking him or her either. Don't do that. Now, now, most of us have an idea in our minds of what we consider normal, right? And don't we basically consider normal being what I am? I don't know about you, but I am normal, right? Now, many folks kind of wish for their normal to include these kind of things. See if I'm right. Good health. Don't you want that to be normal for you? How about plenty of money? Okay. How about plenty of nourishing and tasty food? Yeah. Uh, how about comfortable and safe living accommodations? Yeah. And normal, of course, two and a half kids. One dog, and of course, well-behaved and housebroken. That applies to the two and a half kids as well. And, oh yeah, one gerbil. Does that sound like you're normal? Mm, I didn't think so. Mine either. At least not completely. Now, it probably doesn't sound like you're normal because your normal has not remained constant over time, has it? It just hasn't. It's changed. You see, normal is a bit of a moving target. Well, here's my first truism for this morning. Once you've established what normal is for you, be ready for it to change because it will. Now, we're living in a world of constant changes, right? I mean, technology, man, alive Changes almost daily, the internet and cell phones, trying to work through that thing. I was trying to get some pictures from Walgreens yesterday online with the app. Arr. Transportation, got your electric car yet? How about light rail trains? Can't wait to get out here in the Southwest Trail, right? Supersonic air travel, wow. And finances, has that changed a bit? How many of you got your Bitcoins? You ready for that? Or electronic banking, right? Styles of education this past week because of the snow, a lot of our kids were e-learning and now it's becoming mainstream as far as how we do that. And businesses and governing models, incredible, isn't it? So we know intellectually, whether you like it or not, change is a very real part of our existence, both personally and culturally. Well, this morning I'm intending to share some insights and tips from a godly perspective on how to successfully cope with the disruptions and changes that happen to our dreams and our ideals and ever-changing new normals. Now, change may come our way for a variety of reasons. It may come as a result of moving from one part of the country to another. Now, I grew up in Miami, Florida, and last week, Janie and I went down for a visit. She wanted to see where I grew up, so we went down to Miami. It was tough. I mean, shorts and t-shirts all week. Oh, my. Yeah. Well, that's what I experienced throughout my high school years. And then I moved to the cold and snowy north country of Minnesota. Oh, my. Quite a shock. But the snow and cold became my new reality, my new normal. Well, change may also come as a result of a serious accident or injury, right? And that change may be in the form of a physical disability, perhaps, or an intellectual trauma, some disease. We may no longer be able to work or earn an income, or play athletic activities, or, or travel, or go for walks in the park. Our new reality 
becomes our new normal. And then change may come as a result of relationships, right? How about getting married? Having kids? Yeah, our new reality becomes our new normal. And change may come as a result of having children. <laughs> Any ideas with that one? I recall a conversation with my wife Elizabeth about 40 years ago, shortly after our middle daughter, Jessica, that's Jessica in the middle, myself on the right. You know, shorts and t-shirts, there's a theme that runs if I, if I have a chance, and then Elizabeth. And look at the picture there next to it with Jessica, what she's carrying. I'm going to touch about that later. That was one year ago on Wednesday. One year ago Wednesday, Jannie and I were married, and that was Jessica walked me down the aisle. Notice what's in her hand? That ring a bell? That hymnal. Yeah. Well, about 40 years ago, Elizabeth and I, Jessica's 42 now, Jessica was diagnosed at about age three or four with a physical, intellectual, and developmentally delayed condition called hypotonic cerebral palsy with severe intellectual disability and seizure disorder. There's a mouthful. Well, the doctor suggested that there was possibly some kind of brain damage either while Jessica was still in the womb or shortly afterward. Well, Elizabeth and I were shocked and a bit overwhelmed. I mean, a severely disabled child was not what we had planned for our lives. Well, as you might suspect, we asked the typical woe is me questions. Shed a lot of tears. We asked a lot of why me questions. And we also knew statistically that couples who experience traumatic, life-changing experiences very often end up either with great animosity towards each other or end up divorcing. Well, neither choice was what Elizabeth and I wanted. Oh, we didn't want to be a bad statistic. So after a lot, lot, lot of tears and prayers, we determined that we were going to trust that God knew what he was doing in placing this special needs little girl into our home and under our care. Jessica stayed with us. And our presence in our home became our new normal. Well, as we learned to live with this uninvited physical and intellectual reality that had invaded our lives, we looked to the Bible for some encouragement. And we read about a fellow who lived thousands of years ago who himself, he had a very tough life, a guy named Job. You heard of him. Despite the loss of his children, and all of his wealth and livestock and his property, Job said this, and I think this is very significant. He said, naked I came from my mother's womb, naked I will return to the womb of the earth. God gives, God takes away, God's name be ever blessed. Well, we know Job was further tested, afflicted from head to toe with painful sores. Oh, and his wife gave him wifely advice. What'd she say? Curse God and die. Well, thanks, honey. And here's what he said. You're talking like an empty-headed fool. We take the good days from God. Why not also the bad days? Not once through all this did Job sin. He said nothing against God. Wow. Now, what a story. What a great attitude. What a marvelous example. So Elizabeth and I wondered, could we take that same approach as Job did? 
Or should we follow the advice of his wife, curse God and throw Jessica under the bus? Wash our hands of Jessica's care. Let the state, the government, take over Jessica's life and care. Now we prayed long and hard. We prayed asking God for wisdom and strength, peace. And by now you figured out which route we chose. Jessica, whose age still is about three or four intellectually, stayed and remained a part of our home for close to 40 years. And that was true even after Elizabeth died of cancer back in 2016. But there finally came a time about two and a half years ago when I could no longer care for Jessica by myself. And I'm thankful to say that she's now living very successfully and happily, I might add, in a group home over in Bloomington, not far from her sisters, Laura in Lakeville and Amanda out in Delano. No, I still hate that Jessica has brain damage. I still hate that she has cerebral palsy, that she has intellectual development limitations and still functions at a three and four year old level. I don't like that. But I am thankful for the blessing she's turned out to be. You know the irony? She doesn't even know she's a blessing. Those of you who know and have experienced Jessica know what I mean. <laughs> when Jessica's in here in church, where she sit? Right there. <laughs> Front pew, window side. And what's she going to have in her hand? A hymnal. So I pointed out that picture. That picture was one year ago when Jessica, she walked me down the aisle for our wedding. What'd she have in her hand? She wouldn't put it down. So I said, to heck with it. That's her. So she brought it. And what will she do when the music starts? She's going to sing loudly and joyfully. Even if she can't actually talk, she can't. Can't say real words. But what does she do? She sings her heart out. And what does she do when it's time for the final benediction? Up it goes, straight up, and blesses you right back. What does that do to the insides of you, my friends? Doesn't it bring a big smile? It does. Because you don't get much better witness to joyful worship of Jesus Christ as Lord than watching Jessica in church. So in this world of constant new normals, not knowing what the next life-altering experience may be around the bend, Elizabeth and I were encouraged and comforted by believing and trusting that our Heavenly Father is good. He is loving. He is unchanging. He keeps his promises. And what does he promise? Thomas said it this way. God is good to one and all. Everything he done, does is soaked through with grace. I love that translation. Let me ask you, are there some life-altering changes happening in, in your life? I'm guessing there are. Are there some new normals at work in your life? How are you coping with them? Well, I'm hopefully going to leave you six things, six tips that I want to share with you about how you might successfully deal with those changes, those new normals for you, so that you might be able to make some lemonade out of lemons in your new normal. The first one, choose God's wisdom as your benchmark for what you're going to do with your life. Search the Bible to discover God's principles for successful living. I say this as number one because it's important to know that these God-directed principles are very often not the same principles as you're probably reading and hearing about in our current secular culture, right? 
I mean, what's the world telling us to do? You better be looking out for here. No one's out to help anybody else. It's, it's pretty tough. So stick to God's principles, no matter what's going on around us. Second tip for how to deal with our new normal. Seek wise counsel when trying to figure out what to do in your new situation. Well, where do you find this wise counsel? Well, if you look around the room, right there, your neighbors, fellow Christians. That's among other things. I mean, not only what the Bible says, but seek wise, godly support from faithful Christian men and women who have demonstrated faithfulness to God and wisdom for living life in difficult and diverse culture. You're it, folks. Thirdly, we're going to be focusing what you read and get your information from. Suggesting choose to read and listen to publications and internet sites and blogs which base their thoughts and promote godly values and principles rather than depending on information and opinion sites which promote a purely secular, or in their own words, God-neutral point of view. Doesn't mean ignore those other sites, but look to some godly type of wisdom instead. Four things. As you're in your new norm, set for yourself realistic goals for what you're able to do when determining what you're wanting to do. I mean, think about it. Do you really think or can you or will be a professional football player or be rich and wealthy and retire by the age of 30 or have a big fancy house in South Florida or the wine country of France or along the North Shore of Lake Superior in Minnesota? Realistic goals, which hopefully are based on this concept. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness first. And then fifthly, don't compare what someone else has with what you have. Why? <laughs> You'll almost always feel dissatisfied with what you have or perhaps have resentment towards the other person. How come they have that when I don't? Or possibly develop an unhealthy fixation on getting that thing or situation which your neighbor has and which you may try to get in perhaps an inappropriate way. And that's why the writer of Hebrews tells us this. Keep your lives free from the love of money. Catch that? This is the stewardship theme too. It's the love of money, not money, not possessions, not things. That's not a problem. But where is it coming from? Is it the love that that's the mind driving force? No, it says keep your lives free from the love of money. Be content. Ooh, that's a hard one. With what you have. Because God said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. And finally, be content and thankful for what you do have. Think throughout the world. You've seen pictures of third world countries. You have some stuff in your life. Yeah, we're loaded with stuff. Be content and thankful for what you do have. Because God knows and provides what he feels you really need or will benefit from. James said this, every desirable and beneficial gift comes out of heaven. The gifts are rivers of light cascading down from the Father of light. Nothing deceitful in God, nothing two-faced, nothing fickle. He brought us to life using the true word, showing us off as the crown of all his creation. Oh, we're living in a new and different world from when we were kids, aren't we? We're constantly having to adjust our views and actions because of our new normals. 
So my prayer for each of us this morning, my friends, is this, that we grow and mature in our capacity to face our new normals without complaint or collapse. We can do it. After all, we have a God who watches over us, who guides us, who protects us. I mean, didn't God prove his love for us by sending Jesus into our world? Yeah. Isn't that why we gather week in and week out to acknowledge that and thank God for it? I mean, Jesus came to become our surrogate, our, our substitute for us, to pay the price of our sin, not his, because he didn't sin. And then Jesus died on that cross, why? To assume the guilt of who? You and me. Our sin, not his. And because he did, what happens? We're looked at entirely different by God. Instead of rebellious enemies of God, we're now viewed as his beloved child. We get to live with him in heaven because of Jesus. Wow! That's pretty solid proof of his love for you and me. So finally, my friends, my prayer for you and for me is that we grow fully to maturity as we learn in this constantly changing world of ours. And to live, as St. Augustine said hundreds of years ago, to live in peace and serenity with what we cannot change, have the courage to change what should be changed, and gain the wisdom to know the difference. May God grant us that wisdom, strength, and peace for Jesus' sake. Amen.